Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting rehearsal this week, and it is all about DCA. We will find out what made Nicole say. Can you bring a friend with you to uh, the Macy's parade? Because um, I've never gone. And why Trish said. Just can't happen in the same way that it happens on a traditional DCA weekend, being DCI weekend in Indianapolis. It just. All this and more. So get out on the field and we will see you back on the sidelines for this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. Well, we have been wanting to do this topic for a while. And now that it has come to an end, or perhaps a new beginning, we thought it was a good idea to chat about DCA, or what will now be known as DCI All-Age Class. We have a terrific interview with Kevin Gammon and two amazing guest hosts this week who are some of the best people to talk about DCA with. But first, let's see who's on the sidelines. Nicole! What up? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think that this is probably, well, obviously the most exciting news, but at the same time, it, I have mixed feelings. So let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very excited to hear those. Next, though, joining us live this week, it is Trish Dish's own Trish, Trish O'Shea. Welcome back, Trish. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. I know. Long <laughs> summer. Now, our other guest host for the week. He has been involved in DCA in various ways for a very long time. He also has the joy of being married to one of our producers, Christine. It's the fabulous and always charming Jeff Reem. Hello. Hello, I'm also the guard closet uh, Pennsylvania consignment delivery boy. So you can find me at the UPS store every morning before I hit Duncan. <laughs> Did you bring us some Duncan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll say it's Duncan at this time of night. Ah, okay. <laughs> that that would be a different show. That is that is on a water break after rehearsal. <laughs> So we have a tradition here, and I know you've probably heard so much more of our podcast than you ever dreamed you would, being married to one of our producers. Um, so you probably know how it goes, but for our listeners who don't know how it goes, it's called the 32 Count Life Story. And basically, we have a metronome that is set to give you eight counts to start, and then it will give you 32 counts. So if you would just give us your entire life story, you know, starting from birth, and then cram all of it in to 32 counts. And, uh, you know, you can just hit the highlights if you want. But but really, you know, dig in where you feel like it's appropriate. <laughs> all right. Start the mat. 
Hi, Jeffrey, Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Mom and dad met while dad marched in the West Shoreman, then came me, then I did four years in the West Shoreman, 89, 90, 95, 96. We won drums, 95, 96, DCA, 96. Uh, took a couple years off, taught the Bucks in 2000 where we won drums, taught Empire in 2001, and then went to a band show, met my wife, Christine, fell in love at first sight, and Guard Closet's founder, Brian Prado, said, uh-uh, she's a good girl, not you. And here we are 19 years later. <laughs> that is the best one I've heard. I'm not <laughs> kidding. He's like, boom, 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 boom. I, I left out other details. I'm sure they'll come up later. Oh, dude, you did a great job. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I especially love the detail about uh, how the boss slash friend, but the boss was like, nope, not him. Let's let's. Uh, he and I knew each other for many years. So, you know, he knew what she was getting into before she did. <laughs> well, and, and she's still stuck it out. So you guys are doing great. And uh, let's talk about what's happening with dca and its evolution into dci all age i am because of dca because of dad and mom meeting um at a drum corps rehearsal in 1967 um to me labor day weekend my entire life has been dca um up until 13 uh i was there every year um labor day weekend was DCA rush home to watch Jerry Lewis. Um, and then, you know, after it went back up to Rochester, um, after 13 in Annapolis, I could at least stream, but it wasn't exactly the kind of situation where I was going to dump the family and go to Rochester and party for three days, like the old days anymore. So, um, but it was still DCA. It was Labor Day. Like you can ask my wife Labor Day of 2020 when there was no drum corps at all. I literally had to shake Labor Day weekend because there was no DCA. I, I didn't know what to do with myself. So going forward, I'm going to be very, I don't know what to do on Labor Day weekend yet. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I saw what was going on in DCA and knowing a ton of people and knew it had to change. It probably should have made the pending change now several years ago. Um, so I am excited to see where it's going to go. Um, as long as everybody can take care of all their logistical and financial issues, but I think it's long overdue. What about you, Trish? Before we continue, Jeff, it's so funny because I, I see you synonymously with DCA weekend, to be honest with you. And, um, That's where I, I met you years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't get up there this summer, but usually in the summer, I think my boyfriend and I take a trip up to Scranton for the rail riders. Cause we're huge Yankee fans and they're the Yankees triple a team. And it's a really fun, really fun day, uh, you know, whatever. And every time I'm in that stadium and I picture doing DC, you know, DCAs at that stadium, um, I see you guys in that deck on the top, the tire deck up there. I'm like, Oh, that's where they all used to be. And what, not in the know. stadium club. The stadium, you know, yeah, it's out yeah. there. Like every time I go there for baseball, like I totally see you guys up there. So, um, you know, obviously I kind of feel the same way Jeff does. It's, it's you know, at, at the same time, it's really hard to let go of DCA as we know it. But I, you know, like Jeff said, I mean, obviously change has to come. Um, but there's so many moving, there's more moving parts than people realize actually, because you know, it, it just can't happen in the same way 
that it happens on a traditional DCA weekend being DCI weekend in Indianapolis. It just, it can't happen that way. Like, like I said in my recent DCA dish, what's going to happen to the alumni show? What's going to happen to I and E? What's going to happen to all of those things that have meant, you know, so much to so many people in the past. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. I think it's a great thing for the cores themselves. I think that's going to be really great. Um, you know, to be, cause I remember, um, I remember back in 2001 when I was in the Syracuse Brigadiers and we got to perform at DCI finals. Um, I mean, like literally we were right on before the 12th place core. Well, and, and you created that afternoon too. We, that, you know, yeah, we did with Empire. Exactly. We, we did, did the, the afternoon show, the show afternoon. and roasted. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Um, we did the show in the mm-hmm. afternoon and then they kind of fed us in the parking lot and we went back in and that year, um, I was in the guard, obviously, and we had we started the show with purses, and I can't even begin to tell you all the things I used to have shoved in my purse. And one of the things that day, one and and I was doing work with it, and one and one of the things I had with me that day was a camera. And while the core was warming up, I was taking pictures of the crowd and taking pictures of the core, the mm. horn line warming up and taking pictures threw it right back in my purse and started the show. So I have those pictures of us on the field at DCI. And I think that that's what this experience is going to bring to these performers as well. Yeah. That- but in 96, we performed at, at semifinals and it's- we're, you know, out there in all our black and blue and we're following the blue devils on the field. Right. You get, you know, to us, Fran Herring's voice was everything. But then you're walking through that tunnel in the Citrus Bowl and you hear the voice introducing your core. And yes, I had a camera tucked in my bass drum rack and took a couple of pictures before we did the on-field warm-up and play. But now I can't find the pictures. But <laughs> it, was that, it was that same kind of, oh my God, like literally we're walking to perform and Madison scouts are walking by us going, hey man, have a good show. Right. You know, it's like, uh, wow, okay. I'm like 27 years old and I feel like a 12-year-old here. that's awesome see i um uh, i marched um like rochester crusaders i used to live in rochester and so right after i aged out because i aged out of a upstate new york drum corps the patriots and um you know the biggest thing for any of those upstate kids to do was you know go to either rochester patriots or um empire statesmen And I spent probably a good from 99 to about 2008 or nine with those cores. And then I pretty much was like, okay, I'm going to go and just teach or, you know, I didn't do that anymore. And um, I remember finals pretty much um, half of those times being in Scranton, which was a great time. And then, um, a number of those times being right there at home in Rochester and not having those things to go back to. And again, I'm so displaced from it that it's been a long time, but at the same time, it's just like, Ooh, this is going to be different because I do see people on my social media who I used to march with and they're just like posting those old pictures and everything. And just like, Oh man, like this is gonna, this is going to hurt. And so I have mixed feelings about it. I know that in the long run, logistically, this is going to be the thing that helps. Um, I think it's just the the memories of, you know, having it be like DCA is yeah. what is going to, is what's going to hurt. 
is what's going to hurt. Yeah, but it, it was becoming Labor Day weekend, unfortunately, was becoming a labor, uh, recruiting albatross. It started in the outer regions and, and it's been spreading to the East Coast, the DCA traditional hotbed, because, you know, here in Pennsylvania, high school football started the weekend before Labor Day now. Mm-hmm. Band directors at high school and college, they want their kids with their bands. They don't want you hopping in a car and driving to wherever to go play drum corps. You need to be with your band. And, you know, it's it's one of the public reasons why cores like Minnesota Brass and Chops went sound sport because they said that they couldn't go that late into August. So maybe with this change, Minnesota and Chops can come back to being DCI all age cores. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, DCA did not have a full-time office staff. They didn't have a full, these, these were people that did DCA after they did their real life jobs. Now, I, every week, something DCI is coming and hitting my mailbox. It's talking about DCI all age. The, the marketing thrust has already started beginning. There was Rondo at Allentown talking to DCA president. I mean, I could see him from my seat and I totally forget which core was on and what they were doing. Cause I was so transfixed on, Oh my God, there's Rondo talking to DCA's president. So I, you know, it, there's a lot of good that going to come from it. There might be some bad, like Trish said with I and E cause DCI really doesn't do I and E anymore. Um, I've heard that there are talks and trying to figure out things to do for the alumni cores. Um, maybe tying them into Allentown is a rumor I had heard. Um, because that was an important part of the weekend um, that had its own challenges, but that's a different podcast for a different day. But it, you know, yes, some, some pieces of the puzzle that we all grew accustomed to may end up having to go away, but for all age to survive, I think this is the only other step because unfortunately, you know, last year in 22 DCA had 1300 paid customers at finals. Oh, um, that's what I'm saying. Like logistically, it's going to be a great thing. It's yeah. just, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough in Indy too, because you got Thursday all day prelims, all open and world-class combined together. Friday, you got semifinals. Saturday, you'll have DCA finals or all age finals in the morning. Oh, world-class at night sound sports going on drumline battle is DCA having prelims. Who knows? But um, I, I keep calling it DCA because I'm old and I'm used to it. But all age, are they going to have their own prelims? There's a lot of details that haven't come out yet. There's a ton of rumors going around. I, I hate to sound like the Sixers of old, but you just have to trust the process. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's they've what been, they, they've been working on it for a while. So yeah, I have I faith. I have faith that Atchison's last acts as director of DCI before he retires is he's going to make sure that all age is set up to succeed as best as possible under the new plan. Right on, right on. I, I mean, I love it because being in the Midwest, I have felt very out of touch with anything DCA related. I feel like it's been a really East coast thing and I get that it's, you know, change is hard and development is, is difficult and that's, there's going to be growing pains, but, I think the, the the flip side is that positivity. So that's that's just coming from someone in the Midwest who's never done DCA. So right, <laughs> it gets that exposure out to all of those people who have never yeah. seen any of those all age cores before. Because like in upstate New York, like you had your pick, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, where am I going to go? Oh, I can go to Rochester Crusaders, or I can go to Empire, or I can go to Brigadiers. You know, like. 
where I am from originally in Virginia, that's not even a thing, you know? So it was cool to do that. And it's just like Wildwood. Everybody talked about Wildwood. And it's just like, I don't get any of this. And then once I started, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And, you know, I I know it's going to work out um, and it's going to be obviously different. But honestly, I think it gives more exposure to those programs. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is to make sure that those groups that are still out there and who are still performing are still getting that showtime and that, that, you know, that exposure that they need. Well, take, take your own Tom when he was with the Renegades, there was for a couple of years, only one other all age core in California. And then, you know, they got to do the DCI shows out there and then all those cores left. So what did they do? They first, eight weeks until finals, they rehearsed, you know, trying to bring them across the country for another show that, that wasn't cheap, you know, bringing them in twice a year, a couple of years is like one year they brought them in, they tried the North Carolina show, which flopped. Um, and one year they took them into, uh, one of the Midwest shows, but that still wasn't cheap to move that core, you know, twice across the country just to compete against other DCA cores. Let's do our gush and goes this week. Nicole, let's, why don't you start us off? Hmm, gushing and going. Um, I am really excited to get started with um, judging uh, the shows that I'm going to, the different states I'm going to. I have a show in New York. I have a show that is in Shreveport. Um, I, I'm I'm really excited about it. And honestly, too, I think you all know about this. Being in airports will make you really tired. But I'm actually mm-hmm. looking forward to that and seeing how you know, each state is bringing, you know, um, the marching arts, what are they bringing to the marching arts with their, um, with their marching band? So I'm really excited to, uh, get that started. Trish, what do you want to gush and go on about? Um, well, obviously it's we're stepping into marching band season. I know everybody's super busy and super excited, but just to step back to, uh, this past DCA championships for one second, um, the White Sabres Color Guard. I was so happy that they won Best Color Guard in Open because they were one of my unsung favorites from the day from day one of this season. And I kept checking in on them. Their show was so cool. It was so well written. The costuming was great. Um, they they could twirl. They could really twirl. And I was so excited that they. Well, I kept checking in all weekend, like you know, are they up there? Are they up there? Are they up there? And I mean, and everybody always gives so much attention to the world class, myself included, but they were one of my favorites. I reported about it recently and I was just so happy that they took it. So that's who I'm excited about. I love it. Jeff, what do you want to gush about? I am excited because next week I get to start judging uh, for the season for our local circuit here that I judge in. And this year, uh, I've been blessed with being able to speak my native tongue every time I go out and talk about Huggedigabers and Chetlas and Flams and stuff like that, as opposed to having to talk about audiovisual coordination. <laughs> I didn't understand half of that as a color road person. <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's always exciting to be able to get to judge the thing you know the most about, though. Well. We're going to judge you guys on this next rep, so why don't you get back out on the field and uh, we'll be back for these commercials. Hey, this is Christine Ream. And Chris Green. 
Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. All right, everybody, I would like to welcome to the sidelines, Kevin Gammon. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hello. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. It is so nice to finally actually get to talk to you face to face, quote unquote, face to face, because we're on a screen. But <laughs> so we have a tradition here on our water break that uh, we have to do a we really we got to know where you come from. We got to know your background. We got to Basically, our listeners really need to know why you're here as our guest clinician today. Uh, so we're going to do your 32 count life story and you've been listening to the pod for a while. So, you know, what's up? Are you ready? I am ready. Go ahead and count me off when you're ready. All right, here it comes. Eight on the Met. All right, I am a third-generation drum corps marcher in my family. Uh, I marched Glassman 1992 to 1996 in DCI and Empire Statesman 2000 to 2002 in DCA. I also uh, marched in the Blue Coats Anniversary Alumni Corps last year, um, and that was what I consider my retirement show. Um, outside of performing, I am also a journalist. I write show reviews for Drum Corps World. And I also run the front page of Drum Corps Planet as the managing news editor and do live from the stands live blogging coverage of shows that I'm at. Okay, wait. So I have a set of questions I'm supposed to ask you, but I have so many more questions than that now. Add <laughs> them to, to the list. I'm ready. <laughs> We're gonna, we might have to have you on a, a couple of episodes here to cover all of this stuff. <laughs> Ooh, a two-parter. We got to leave with a cliffhanger then. Well, so... First of all, I just want to say we almost marched. I, like we barely missed each other marching at the same time because you said you marched until oh mm two, -hmm. and I my first audition was in oh three to march in oh four. So okay, I mean it, it was at Memphis Sound. I mean we were nowhere near the same cores or anything, but yeah. And when I finished, I was in DCA, so I was doing all right. age at the time. I had already aged out from from junior core. Yeah, 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 yeah. We weren't mm -hmm. marching DCI at the same time, but I just think that's right. kind of interesting. How every, I mean, it's such a small world. Everybody's lives intersect. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So, well, you can't call it a subculture without C-U-L-T, So, you know, <laughs> there's a reason that that word exists the way it does. Mm -hmm. So you were at DCA. You just got back. What, like yesterday? um monday i actually got back on monday, labor okay. day yeah championships were over the weekend uh finals were sunday and it was the last 
Labor Day weekend championships for Joam Corps Associates. They um, yeah. are going to enter into an agreement with Joam Corps International. And for the next two years, the DCI all-age class championships will take place in Indianapolis the morning of DCI finals on Saturday. So it was a very poignant um, weekend because a tradition was ending, but a new tradition was beginning. Of course, it also meant a tradition of the Reading Buccaneers winning yet again, which may not end. We'll see what happens next year. So how, what's kind of, you know, being a journalist, you kind of understand the sort of how to gauge the viewership and sort of the temperature of the populace on these sort of things. How do people feel about this changeover that's happening? There's a lot of questions right now because there aren't a lot of details as to what's going to happen with uh, DCI All Age next year. Um, when you talk to some of the cores that are from the farther east and some of the more established All Age cores like like uh, Reading or Connecticut Hurricanes or Hawthorne Caballeros, they now have a longer trip to championships mm-hmm. and their season's cut short by three weeks because now it's going to be the second week of August. So they now have to plan their seasons accordingly and budget their seasons accordingly. And it's going to be different for them. Now, on the other hand, you have the Midwestern cores, the Ohio cores, pretty much, because we have three, <laughs> we have three all H core in Ohio, one in each of the sea cities, pretty much. Uh, we have Rogues Hollow Regiment, uh, which are the Class A champions this year, um, up here in Northeast Ohio. We have Columbus Saints, and who are also in Class A and DCA. And then we have Cincinnati Tradition, who are open class in DCA. DCA now has three classes similar to WGI, which is really done to Im- to really emulate the the growth pattern that D- that WGI fosters. Um, it was they want to they want to get more core involved, right. and um, for these three core. Finals are now in Indianapolis every year. They're, heck, Columbus Saints are doing sound sport already, so that's, it's already part of their schedule to be there. So it's really not as much of a change for them. And the hope is that now maybe that having finals in the same location every year with DCI's um, resources backing it will also help grow the all-age activity and really give it a foundation that it sorely needs right now. That honestly, like, that's the thing I've been most excited about, because especially with these drum corps that are like looking at fielding more all age type alumni groups and like seeing this stuff like, well, you, you, you yourself were in the Bluecoats alumni that it was such a display of the talent and like dedication that people still have beyond their age out year. And, you know, the troopers did an excellent alumni group this year. I think that that's, I mean, you know, just as an outsider perspective, who's never participated participated in DCA myself, that looks like it's going to be a really successful um, endeavor for them. And just kind of seeing your perspective on it in agreement is is very exciting for me. I hope it's exciting for our listeners out there too. Oh yes, I am looking forward to seeing because really it makes Indianapolis the drum corps capital of the world, it already, I mean, of the United States at least, North America, which it, and it already was kind of the marching capital in a lot of ways because of Bands of America being there every right. year as well. Um, so the band barn, as we like to lovingly call Lucas Oil, <laughs> it it yes. it's that weekend's going to be crazy, go nuts with drum corps, um, and it's it's just a question of what else and how they're going to do the all age along with everything else that's happening that weekend. Cause you already have sound sport. You already have drumline battle on top of the three nights of competition at yeah. the DCI open at world-class level. 
and even then open class championships earlier in the week. I mean, it's become the week for marching arts in a lot of ways. It really is. It really is. Uh, so for some of, some of our listeners are young and are just sort of getting started in their sort of drum corps journey, their marching band life experience. And what is sort of that history behind DCA? Like, like, can you take it all the way back? Where did DCA start, you know, versus DCI? Because they were, you know, they've, they've always been two separate or- organizations, right? This is the first time they're having this sort of merger. That is correct. Both organizations had similar reasons that they were formed. Um, DCI was formed because the Corps wanted their own, uh, wanted to take their destiny into their own hands, basically. At the, up till 1972, they were with American Legion and VFW posts. And those two organizations really weren't concerned with drum corps moving forward. They were just, they just saw them as part of everything else they did. And that's why the DCI Corps broke away and formed their own thing back in 1972. And in some ways, DCA had its own beginnings in a similar fashion in 1965. They, they actually were formed first, uh, yeah, a few years before. Um, and it was a less, I, I feel like it was less acrimonious of a break. It wasn't so much a break, really, because these corps would still do uh, American Legion championships. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, when I marched in, 2000, 2001, 2002. Scranton, PA was still the home to the American Legion Championships for all age core. Um, and when DCA held their championships there in 2002, for example, it was basically a co-championship. You won, If you won that show, you won both the DCA title and the American Legion title. Okay. But the, the but DCA also saw where the, you know we want they wanted to have a piece of the a piece of the of the of the show fund uh, funds that came up um more than what they were getting as vfw american legion cyo all the same groups that dci cores were were part of at the time so you had cores like the reading buccaneers breakaway and reading buccaneers were the first dca championships in the 1965 season so it was kind of fitting that they won the last one so in 2023. So it's like full circle now this year, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that, and you eventually had cores like the Hawthorne Caballeros, the Connecticut Hurricanes. Back back in the back in the earlier days, you had the Rhode Island Matadors. You had um, uh, the Hamburg Kingsmen out of the Buffalo, New York area. The Syracuse Brigadiers. It was a very Northeast activity, although you also had cores like Chicago Connection out of uh, Chicago, which their uniform were were like 1930s style gangster three-piece suits, and the honor guard would carry Gatling gun um, mock-ups that they would oh guard gosh. the guard the colors with. They they had a they had a style of their own. Um, you had a, you had Canadian cores in DCL, so you had the Canadian Commanders, for example. Um, you had the Guelph. I mean, you had the uh, the Kingsmen. Um, uh, the Kingston Grenadiers is what I meant to say, the, out of uh, Kingston, Ontario. Just a, a, less diplomats out of uh, Quebec. There were just there was a lot of representation in uh, in in the Canada for the all age side of drum corps as well as DCI and the junior corps. So there's a lot of history with DCA that is now being inherited into DCI and being and being basically nourished because 
of, of this the, the, at this point it's the best way to move forward for the all-age activity so that's that was going to be my next question actually is where do you see this going what kind of growth do you see for the activity or how do you see it uh evolving as as we you know explore this partnership i am hoping first that the existing core um are able to make the adjustments that they need to be able to participate in dci all age both for the two years that we're currently signed up for as well as in, as as in the future should this uh partnership continue it's still or we're still in the early stages um but I, i'm hoping that that you know they they can make those adjustments and keep moving forward and and um, remain strong as the um, representatives of all age court they've been all this time. I also want to see now that we have championships in a more centralized location, groups that were not able to come out. For example, Minnesota Brass Incorporated. You remember them from mm, from Midwestern yeah. shows. Yep. They they are a former DCA champion in 2011. And a perennial contender, yeah, they grew. They grew into one of the top groups in the act, in the all age activity since the '90s, if not earlier. And they actually stopped coming to DCA because between Labor Day weekend, where a lot of their schools, both high school and college, were in session by that point, and there were prior engagements where the members couldn't do a, a Labor Day weekend anymore. And just the travel expenses, having to go from Minnesota to Rochester or even farther. Um, there have been championships in Annapolis, for example, in Maryland. And that's a long way to go for, for Drum Corps Minnesota that's weekend only. So they, they, they've been doing sound sport. They actually did almost a WGI wins show, in fact, um, wow. this year with a, with a show. They, they did a speakeasy theme. And they, they, they blew the house down. So it would be great to see them come back to the field and do a full drum corps show at Lucas Oil because for them the only difference is now they can they can go full size again and be on a football field again, but the schedule doesn't have to change for them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do love that it's it can be finished in the summer before school starts and before people have to get back into their teaching positions or whatever it is they're doing during the regular school year. That is really nice about the uh, the new schedule. Absolutely, I mean DCI's had to adjust their schedule because schools have changed their changed when they start both and again both college and high school. Um, I remember, and this wasn't too long before you started. Even you know <laughs> championships used to be the third weekend of August, and the, the champ and the season used to start mid June. So. DCI's had to shrink their season because of all the changes, both in terms of scheduling with other activities and the pandemic. You know, we had to look at how we did things differently then. And uh, DCA is now doing the same thing. It just lines up with DCI's mission right now. Do you think that that time crunch is going to be beneficial to organizations in the long run? Or do you think that that's going to hurt them as far as both uh, revenue and and also the talent they have come out coming out and the quality of shows that they can produce that's the big question right now um, again there the DCA season just shrank by three weeks at least on the tail end there's no rule saying that DC that, that all age cores can't start having performances and shows earlier than they've had 
in recent years um, because they are mainly weekend only. They don't tour like DCI Core, although some core will do shows on the week if they are within easy traveling distance. For example, Cincinnati Tradition, they do the Mason, Ohio show, which is on a, on a weeknight. Um, some cores will even do a pseudo DCI week in preparation for doing DCA because, I mean, DCA, you did have to take time off for travel on top of the weekend. So right. you might as well get, you, you know, get some week, to- week time in to get used to that kind of schedule. And also you get more rehearsal time too as a result. Um, but there's because it, because they can start on the weekends, if they have a show that they can have ready on the field, say mid-June instead of late June, they can get some shows in earlier in the season in preparation for the DCI tour to start and, and performing at those DCI shows as well as their own all-age shows. So there's there's a chance there's a way to make this work that benefits the cores. It's just a question of okay, what how do they do it? And that's going to be that's going to be put together by people who are a lot smarter than me and have a lot more experience on the administrative side and the design side of the activity. I'm a journalist. I speculate a lot, which means I'm also talking out of my you know where a lot as a result when I do that. <laughs> so Everything I've said right now, you know, take with a grain of salt. It's just me speculating. I I respect that, though, because you're speculating not just from nothing, but from a lot of experience in this activity and, and having seen a lot of things over the past, what, 30 years? So... Yeah, my rookie year was 1992. Well, I was going to say, even, but even like knowing what happened before that, you know, you knowing all of the history that you do, like it's so helpful. And I think that is something that is not stressed enough with some of our younger generation coming in is, is, you know, we had full history nights with the Blue Stars um, and just learning the history of the core, learning where we came from and, and why we're here doing what we're doing in that that enriches the experience so much and it also is what propels the whole organization forward and i think we need as an activity to come together and continually educate our new members about the whole activity just like this and and that way we can keep moving the activity forward and and that way we don't get that that misunderstanding of people calling each other dinosaurs and (laughs) and saying you know you don't want it to move forward or whatever because really we're all here for the same things, whether, you know, it's the nineties or the 20 teens or the 2020s, whatever it is, we're, we're moving the whole activity forward and we want that exposure. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you bring up a good point. You mentioned the history night that blue stars had. I know cadets have a history night as well. Glassman used to have a history night. They started actually after I aged out. Um, that was one of the things that, uh, Brian Hickman instituted in his second year as director, which the membership took over and really, um, really made their own. Um, and it was a great way to pay homage to the past of the core, the membership, the, the history. Um, I remember that first history night I, I got, I got to be there and, when when the core the core they actually set up the core hall so that the core members would walk through and see the different photos of the different eras of the of the core's history and hear the different performances throughout the years because they would set up speakers of and you know playing different shows and then they would walk out and 
this was the best part, that, you know, because Glassman had that G West rehearsal facility and old, that old school, literally an old school in yeah, the middle of yeah. nowhere in Oakshade, Ohio. And the, the back field of the, of the property was the rehearsal field for the core. And that first history night, they would walk out and there was the core shield logo set up in candles, all lit on the field. And they went through the ceremony where like, certain people would pick up a candle like from the corners of the shield and they were the foundation of the of the of the core's history and then they would bring up other people to pick up other candles at certain points in the logo that were also important and then at the end they said everyone come up grab a candle you are now carrying the legacy of this core and it was such a moment and then that was just the first one imagine how they how they refined that that uh, yeah. that um that ceremony throughout the years and other cores are doing similar things. And it's not just the cores. You have Bill Ives who is running his own drum corps museum. He has uniforms and paraphernalia from various core, both active and, and, uh, and uh, no longer with us. DCI, DCA, American Legion, all those different eras. So he has those, and he is making sure that that legacy is kept intact. Um, you have the World Trump Corps Hall of Fame, which has uh, has um, members, I mean, that like Wayne Downey, that arranged for the Blue Devils for all those years, but also Chuck Mangione, who was at DCA this year and was, was given a tribute. What? Uh-huh. I was in the I same room as Chuck been- Mangione. Oh my gosh, we played all his music my senior year of high school. I'm just saying, and yep. I I am sure it, I, we would be hard-pressed to find some marching arts listener out there who does not have some sort of uh, connection with Chuck Mangione music. Absolutely. So many core have played his music throughout the years. I mean, the, the joke is that 1979, more cores played Children of Sanchez than maybe we're on the actual field because that, <laughs> that chart was such a such a jam or a, a banger, so as they good. call it, as the, as the kids call it these days. But I mean, it, yeah, it, and his music just works so well in the activity. Even now, I mean, you could do a show full of Chuck Mangione songs, and it would still work so well. Oh yeah, on the field. Oh, uh, we played one last year. Like we played one last year in my with the high school band that I one of the bands I choreographed for. So yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Kevin, this has been awesome. Uh, I. I was not kidding about wanting to have you back. We definitely need to do this again. Uh, if any of our listeners out there want to follow you, where can they follow you at? I am on social media on Twitter with my name, Kevin Gammon, K-E-V-I-N-G-A-M-I-N. That is probably the best place to find me right now, even though it is um, not what it used to be, and we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Um, you can also follow um Drum Corps news that I post and on the Drum Corps Planet front page, drumcorpplanet.com. I am the managing news editor there. Um, and so I scour the internet for anything Drum Corps related to make sure it's on there. Plus, many Drum Corps do send their, their uh, news to me to be posted. So if you are a Drum Corps PR person, please, by all means, send it my way. I'll get it up there and share it out on various so- social media platforms as well. Um, we we our our job is we are the the only independent drum and drum corps news outlet 
on the internet. Um, Drum Corps World is also out there. They do more of a magazine format, and even though it's released online, it's it's a PDF, so you're still reading a magazine. Mm, okay. Yeah, okay. we're the only one that is updated live as news comes our way. And, I mean, we, we make sure that, you know, people are up to date on what's going on in the activity. Well, that's awesome. We definitely appreciate it here because I know that uh, when our hosts bring in their news stories each week, we have had several Drum Corps Planet ones. So, especially during the summer, during that Drum Corps season, because you guys have been on it. So, again, thank you so much for coming on, Kevin. I really appreciate it. I feel like I have learned so much. Uh, and we're going to have to get back on the field. So I guess we'll talk to you later. All right. I'm going to gush and go here and I'm going to get back to my, my dot. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Everybody get back out on the field. Let's do this. Hey everyone. It's Ashley from Honor Water Break. I just got finished a parade and I'm here to tell you on my water break about the newest episodes of Honor Water Break and Rhinestones. Out already is Emma Carr from Arizona State University, and coming soon are so many more feature trailers from eight different universities all over the U.S., and they talk about what it's like and how it's different in different places to twirl. Okay, now back to the parade. Guys, that was such a great rehearsal chunk. I feel like we have got this nailed. I want to talk about Kevin, though. I have to tell you, I've, I've known him for so long, literally just through Twitter, though. Like, years and years, we followed each other on Twitter. Um, do either of you guys, do any of you guys know Kevin? Oh, yeah. Um, when I taught with the Empire Statesman, he was in the horn line, and I didn't know his real name for the first two months because everybody just called him Gadget. So um, it wasn't until, like, we started doing drill outside that I realized, oh, Kevin Gammon, Gadget. Oh, okay, that's who you are. Cool. He has a name, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny about when you get into those, like, drum corps relationships with people, though, that there there are people who, you know, literally just go by their nickname and never, ever, you know, they're surprised if there you call them people, by their actual name. There are definitely people that I've marched with at Empire and at, um, oh, gosh, at uh, Rochester Crusaders who they've gone by these nicknames forever. And I'm like, they tell me their real name. And I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> Not one. Well, Kevin had some great insights of this transition from DCIA to the DCI all age. I really, I really liked hearing what he had to say about it. Um, do you guys have any more thoughts about that that you want to make sure our listeners know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really appreciated the fact that us East Coasters really look at it from our perspective and where we would have to travel to. And, you know, us, you know, we're kind of, I hate to say this, but kind of being like the epicenter of DCA or now DCI All Age. And he really gave us more of a Midwestern perspective of it that some of those cores might be able to get more involved now. And, you know, it, I never, you know, you, you know it on the surface, but you never really think about it. And you're like, yeah, that's true. That's really true. Yeah. It's like, like I had mentioned earlier about like the renegades, you know, coming in from California every year, um, you know, those cores out there, this actually helps them. And for the years they had the biggest expense trying to get, you know, to wherever on the East coast finals was. So it was great to hear somebody bring that up. Cause again, like Trish said, we live here, you know, it's, 
you know, it's what we know. That's awesome. I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm purely excited about everything. So I also am excited about this next part because I really enjoy doing these with everybody and getting to know everybody. Uh, what part of the marching band show are you, Trish? What part of the marching band show are you? Well, I think people would like to say that because, you know, I, you know, I'm very energetic that I would sort of be like that power closer that, you know, bring, you know, ties the shell show together and brings it home. But I actually consider myself more of the ballad as a performer. I like the ballad. I like writing the ballad. I love my marching band's ballad this year. And mm. like, as soon as I hear, you know, all right, let's get in there. Um, I, and I love that expressive side. And I think I have that expressive side to me as well. So I think I would definitely say I'm the ballad. Jeff, what about you? I am the old school extended drum solo where you park the battery on the 50, where their mullets are shaking out from underneath their Aussie with the left leg pumping while they're jamming. Think 92 Crossman, there's your visual image. <laughs> that is a lot of fun. I always, I love that. And like, I love seeing when they would like put the color guard around those percussion features and the car guard is just like going crazy and the drummers are just there and they're just so intense. And yeah, it's good stuff. Old school. All right, let's go on to the news for this week. Trish, what do you got for us? So apparently... Um, a student from James Bowie's marching band suffered a medical emergency at a football game and passed away, which is horrible and tragic. And obviously prayers go out to everybody involved in this situation. But I mean, I don't, we don't know what the medical emergency was, but I know it's a different world out there. It's a different, our, our activity is a different, is different, way different than it was. Um, I mean, I can remember, I don't, I'm not saying that this is what happened to this person, but I mean, I know my little, you know, marching band in New Jersey here, it, we used to, I mean, back in the day, we'd be out on the field, you know, at band camp, no, regardless of what the temperature was, regardless of anything, yeah. you, you were just out there. And now um, the NJSIAA, which is the sports organization, has this whole chart of when you can go out, if, if the temperature is this and the heat index is this and the air quality is this, then you can only go out for 40 minutes and take 20 minute breaks. And then it's all this. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that that's what happened to this person, but you know, it's, you just gotta, you know, there's just so much more awareness and, um, you know, protective measures in place to prevent these things from happening. And, you know, again, prayers and thoughts go out to that person and their family and our whole activity at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And their whole band. Oh, man. And it's harder down uh, there in Texas because, like, it's hot, dude. Like, I have a friend yeah. who's down there right now and they said, oh, we have a cold front. It's 94 degrees. <sighs> what? Oh, the yeah. amount of hot days I spent on Macadam. Oh. I used to live in Austin and Houston. Houston's, oh, wow. But yes, totally get that. It's hot, y'all. Nicole, what's your story for today? My story is about the uh, first woman to dot the I. She returns after for, four, for the 50th anniversary for the Ohio State Marching Band. Um, her name is Jan Duga, uh, first woman, like I said before, to dot the I in the script, Ohio. 
um, in honor of the 50th anniversary of women in the Ohio State Marching Band. It turned back the clock and welcomed, welcomed its many former members um, to the Buckeyes home opener and the 2023 Marching Band alumni on Saturday. So Duga had dotted the I first um, in on September 8th in 1979. I was one years old. And um, oh. I know. <laughs> She's a baby. We baby. <laughs> Um, and since has been back to dot the I again in 2013 and this year. Um, so a couple of things that I don't know a lot of people knew about this, but like, um, she said it was a history making moment. You're in front of a hundred thousand people watching and everyone is focused on who's going to dot the I. So you want to do one job, go ahead and do that job. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she arrived at Ohio State in 1976, three years after women were allowed to join. And she said that this was over, um, there was just over 30 females in the marching band of 224. And wow. yeah, this was the time when Tuba and Sousaphone section, um, they, they were the last sections to integrate women into their section. Um, and during her fourth year, which was her senior year. Yeah. Um, that's when she was eligible to dot the I and she goes on to say how like, um, her dad used to march in the Ohio state marching band from 1949 to 1953. Um, the first ever, um, two time I daughter, um, was her father. And, um, yeah. So then she remembers and she recalls in this article, like, um, um, she was predestined to dot the I because her dad did. And um, she can remember when she was doing it and she could see like over the shoulder of somebody like her dad just watching her go to like dot the I. So that's awesome. Um, you know, we need to get her on the show. We need to like talk to her. Right. If anybody out there knows knows her, uh, Email us on a water on no on a water break at gmail.com. <laughs> if you know Dan Duga, sit on a marching break. let us know. Um, yeah, there's a couple of times too, like she. Uh, sorry, on a water break podcast uh, at gmail.com. Sorry, on a water on a water break podcast. Pod- pod- oh my gosh, I can't even talk. Podcast, <laughs> all one okay. word. <laughs> wow. Um, but she has been back to March because they have. Um, uh, alumni dates when you can come back in March. And so she and her dad always come back and they would march together. Um, her father sadly passed away in 2020 um, at the age of 88. Um, she does go on to talk about how it's important now to, you know, see who's dotting the I. Now there is a woman, her name is, um, last name is Slavin, Isabel Slavin. Um, she is now the 29th female to ever dot the I, and that's who's dotting the I now. So they take a lot of, I mean, it, it's, what do you call it? it? It's a lot of prestige that goes along with that, especially with a lot of the Ohio State alumni. Um, you don't even have to be in the marching band, you know, to know that that's a big deal. So it's great that she talks about that. She's um, she actually for herself takes a lot of, um, you know, respect on her and to all the women that come after her who actually dot the eye. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So would you like to share your story? I will. Um, Flow Marching has a great article up about want to march everything you need to know about DCI age limits, which, as we talked about, there's one part that has no age limit. Um, but it talks about the age limits for 
world and open classes, uh, sound sport, which has no age limit, DCI all age now, drumline battle. Um, it's got a lot of good stuff in there and links to the various places on DCI's website where you can go to get more information to explore participating in any of those wonderful groups. Uh, my story today is that I need to give a big shout out congratulations to the East Tennessee State University, first of all, because I'm about to meet you guys this year at the Macy's Parade. So let's make sure to get that uh, pre-parade photo op <laughs> when it comes down to it. Uh, and But on top of that, on top of that, when they go to New York for the Macy's Parade, uh, their color guard and their majorettes are actually going to be a part of the Radio City music hall christmas spectacular the rockettes they're going to open for the rockettes basically is what's happening and that is such a huge honor oh my gosh i can't even like i don't know how many times i've seen the rockettes christmas spectacular because it's just it's amazing and seriously it's a little different every time you see it and like like just being able to be a part of a group that opens for them is, is fantastic for these, for these, I, I, I want to say for these kids, I feel like I'm just getting old, but. Um, <laughs> Can you bring a friend yeah. with you to uh, the Macy's parade? Because um, I've never gone. Oh, come on, let's go. <laughs> I will. I, I volunteer it's, for it's you to time. be um, a friend. <laughs> the Macy's. parade. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's all go. Let's make an on a water break. Uh, podcast trip mm-hmm. uh what do you call those work retreat we'll do oh, work retreat yeah. to the macy's i love it and uh yeah it'll be it'll be a fun little vacation <laughs> <laughs> i'll sew something i know they need it <laughs> trish can we stay at your house absolutely <laughs> yes <laughs> party at trish's <laughs> Uh, well, Jeff, you've got one more story for us today. Would you like to share? Yes. Well, if you've if you haven't been living under a rock for the last uh, several days, the Santa Clara Vanguard has announced that they plan to return to the DCI tour in 2024, uh, announcing their new core director and, of course, then the design team, which is pretty much everybody you knew and loved from before with the Renix for percussion, Michael Gaines, Andy Toth, uh, Evan Van Dorn doing the brass, Michael Rosales, Tyler Richards, all that gang is back. And I guess they just need to get some of the bingo issues cleared up and cleared by the state of California, as well as get DCI to sign off. But um, it was really weird being in Allentown this year and not trying to figure out where to yell Vanguard, but hopefully next year we'll be able to do that. Uh, and get that tradition going again so that hopefully they can say they're the only core that's ever been to finals every time they've gone as opposed to the only core that's been in finals every single time interesting yeah how how do we feel about about the return of scv i've seen i've seen both i've seen people on the internet from both directions with this one i i want to make sure that they have their house in order and that they're not blowing everything just to get back out there. Um, it's not tough or it's not an easy time to be a nonprofit these days. And California's got laws upon laws that maybe other states don't, especially when dealing with nonprofits and bingos and things like that. So I'm hoping that they truly have their house in order 
and they're not jumping the gun just so they can say they came back. But if they can pull it off, no one will cheer louder than me when they take the field. I mean, when Seattle Cascades came back out this year for the first time in how many years, I stood up and cheered for them because I miss them, even though they're not one of the cores that gets talked about every week. They were gone for three years. So and then when you have a name like Vanguard, who basically is synonymous with the history of everything DCI not being there, that that was that was a warning sign that people need to get their financial house in order. So important. And there's there's so much help out there to for fight for not for profits. If I mean, even just if you want to learn about what you need to do and and things like that is there's so much, you know, I, I feel like my inbox is inundated with, you know, helpful resources about running not for profit. So hopefully they can get they, they get everything that they need and they can move forward from this and be stronger as a program. So behind the scenes. I personally am very happy. I mean, like I will be very happy to see them. Um, and because it, I don't know, I, it always leaves a hole. I look forward to, and I will say this because I know this, every drum corps mm-hmm. worked hard out there. They do. There is something so different about watching SCV on the field. Um, there's some major parts of a lot of shows that like I hold near and dear to my heart from SCV and not having them there, you know, it just kind of left, there was a void, you know, there was a void. So um, yes, I do hope they come back. I can't wait to see them. I hope they come back healthy in the way of membership show and, you know, foundation, financial foundation. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them, you know, go through everything. Now, we really want to see DCI say, okay, yes, you can do this because they've announced they're back, but it's just like, are you just back in California or are you back like doing the whole tour? Yeah, what is specifics on that? Yeah, how are you back? I wonder if they're waiting to see how many people come out to join before they really... I don't think they're going to have a problem getting members. When you look at the names there, that'll attract talent. I don't know if kids that were there left to go other places will come back if they've aged out or not. But, you know, if you're a drummer and you see the name Rennick, you're you're going there. When you are, you know, Michael Rosales, Michael Gaines, um, hello, you're going to draw bodies. So I, I don't think attracting talent is going to be a challenge for them. Um, it may not be experienced uh, Vanguard vets like they're used to, but you know they'll, they'll get talent. It's they'll be what will go out on the field will be good. It's just we got to make sure that all the back end stuff is in place so they get on the field. Everyone wants to wear that shield on their back. Yeah, uh, nothing will make me happier than to see a bunch of green feathers at retreat next summer. Okay, everyone, thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to all of our wonderful hosts. Nicole, Trish, and Jeff. Thank you to Kevin for joining us for the interview. Make sure you subscribe, write us a review. I would love to read some more reviews on here. Share this episode with a friend. Follow us on social media at On A Water Break, and we'll see you at the next rehearsal on A Water Break. Go practice.